to worship fully, spend less, give more, love all. It, it feels a wee bit like a, a reverse Advent. And um, so if I can just really, really quickly, practically as a family, I, I, you heard me saying last Sunday, and I'm aware some of this stuff that I am sharing on a Sunday is stuff that really, truly is personally challenging me. I want to I wanna live my life. I want to live my life in such a way that it looks, it looks set apart. It looks different from those around me who have not said yes to Jesus. I want the, I want the fact that I've said yes to Jesus. It, it, it means that my life looks different, that my priorities are different. And I don't want, I don't want what I believe to be significantly different from those who don't believe, but I want how I live to be significantly different from those who don't believe. I'm sure a wee bit of that last Sunday. So, so I'm aware that a lot of this is like, a lot of this is just a personal challenge and, and I'm inviting you in on that same challenge, if that's okay. I'm aware, like I, I'm aware that some of the stuff that I'm saying, if, it maybe feels like I'm being a killjoy. Please, please don't hear that. It feels like I'm being bah humbug, Scrooge when it comes to, to Christmas, I, like I, I love this season, but I just want it. I, I, I'm just wanting it to be different. As a, as as my kids are getting to the age that they're at now, I'm wanting our lives to look radically different. And so this maybe seems really simple, but every morning from yesterday, our kids will open an advent calendar, and they'll take, they'll take the bit of chocolate that is in the advent calendar. They'll take, but we're wanting, we're wanting. How do, how can we reverse this mindset? How can we reverse this, that, that something different is taking place in the lives of our kids? And so really simply, we've put a box. We've set a box in our kitchen that every day when we go to open the advent calendar, we'll take the bit of chocolate, but in response, we're taking something from our cupboard, putting it in the box, and, uh, and, and giving it to the food bank. So over, over this season, over this season, and between Christmas and into January, there's more people in our community will need a, need a, will need to uh, take from the food bank than than the, than should be the case. I think the the numbers really they really shocked me last year when I heard of the amount of families in our community in our county that need the food bank, and uh, and so we want to be able to to think about that. We want to be able to respond to that. And um, so, so that some of that is what what I'm challenging myself with, and I'm wanting to would love to invite you in on that same challenge. This Advent season, uh, like uh, this idea of Advent, can be really tricky because what it is, it's a time of waiting. It's a time of waiting, and and I think for for a lot of us, we are all quite similar when it comes to waiting. None of us like to wait. And it's why we. It's why we. It's why I love. And it's maybe why some of you love Amazon, because in Amazon or in, it's just a matter of clicking a button, and it's going to be at your doorstep pretty soon. Because most of us don't like to wait. We don't like to queue. We don't like the queues. We don't like to sit in traffic. We don't like. We don't. It's almost natural. It almost feels like it's. It's our default that we just do not like to wait. I think it maybe. Maybe for some, I think for me, it suggests it suggests lack. It suggests that I don't have. And in some ways, I know that it's common, but I don't like to wait. And so I think Advent, what I'm, what I'm, 
what I'm doing in, in my private, in my quiet times, what I'm trying to do in my quiet times in this season is to patiently wait. To patiently wait as I imagine what his kingdom would look like when it breaks in. So I'm, I'm longing for it. I'm longing for it to break in now. I'm longing to see miracles now. I want to see, I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see all that is possible for us who are people that have been filled with the Spirit of God. Those of us that have said yes to Jesus, the resurrection life now lives in us, and, I'd, and I'm longing to see something of that being lived out now. I'm longing to see it now. And sometimes I struggle with the waiting. And I'm sure in, the, in this Advent season of, of that in preparation, for ultimately preparation for the second coming, I think we're, we're invited to, to seek this kingdom come now. We live in that tension, don't we, of the, the kingdom now and not yet. There's moments where we see it breaking in. We see it breaking in now, but it, we also live in the tension of it's, it's not yet here fully. So I'm, I'm saying, Lord, God, I want to I wanna, I wanna sit before you and I want to patiently wait and begin to imagine what, it would, what your kingdom would look like when it breaks in. What it would look like how, how all of these practical points look like when, when your kingdom breaks in. What this community would look like. What our county would look like to patiently wait as I imagine what that would look like. When, when people, as Jenna's already prayed, when, when lives are restored. When hope is restored. When joy and peace comes as people reconcile with God and with one another. To begin to patiently wait as I imagine what that would look like. And in this season, we're, we're, we're also waiting. It's, just, it's a time of waiting. We're, we're joining in with the ancient longing of the second coming of Jesus. And we patiently wait. We patiently wait as we imagine what it will be like when the heavens and the earth are made new and Jesus comes again. When he shall come with trumpet sound, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, stand before the throne. Patiently waiting as we imagine what it will be like when the heavens and the earth are made new and Jesus comes again. We patiently wait. And this Advent season, is it's a time of waiting. And at times we struggle with our waiting. But let me read, let me read 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. It says, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. We're patiently waiting for that. Believing that that day will come. And all this, Paul goes on, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We're going we're gonna to patiently wait because as he says outwardly, even though we're wasting away outwardly, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. 
And I suppose that's some of what we've been what we've been pushing in to uh, over the last two Sundays. This idea of our imagination being awakened. And Paul is saying at the end of this, at the end of chapter four, let us let's get our eyes there. Even though we can't see it physically, fix your eyes on what is unseen. Begin to begin to see with your mind's eye. Begin to imagine what it will be like. And Paul's acknowledging that, the, that there's troubles now. There's the, the things that you're going through now. It's, it's not that he's dismissing them, but he's trying, to, he's trying to stir hope within you as you patiently wait. As you patiently wait, Paul's desire is that you would, that you would acknowledge that all, that all that is going on in you, all, that, all the situations that you're facing, they're not being wasted. They're not being wasted because they're preparing you for an eternal glory that far outweighs everything that you've had to go through, everything that you've ever experienced. So don't lose heart. Patiently wait. Stick at it. Stay in the game. Because all that you're going, all that you're facing, all that you're going through, it is nothing compared to the glory that outweighs all of that. So fix your eyes on what which is to come. Patiently wait and imagine what it will be like when the kingdom breaks in now. And maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe for some of us will be like the guys in Hebrews chapter 11, where even though they did see, even though they had fixed their eyes on what was unseen, they still didn't receive. But they persevered because they knew that there was this, they knew that there was an, a glory that far outweighed all of what they had, in, had to endure, all of what they faced. And so we're joining in, in this Advent season, we're joining in with the ancient longing of the coming of Jesus. And we patiently wait. We patiently wait for him, the kingdom to break in now. And we patiently wait for the day when the heavens and earth are made new when Jesus returns. And over the, since September, the question that we've been asking, the challenge that we've been making is how do we rearrange our ordinary everyday lives to put the words and the ways of Jesus into practice for the sake of the world? How do we rearrange our ordinary everyday lives to put the words and the ways of Jesus into practice for the sake of the world? And again, you know my... My challenge with, with, with the titles. But I think really simply today, I want to talk a wee bit about kingdom prayer. Kingdom prayer. So let me go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to go right back to, let me go to verse 5. in the middle of this, this stunning sermon that Jesus gives. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. This then is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I suppose this morning, for the time that we have left, um, look at that prayer, the first half of that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. In the original, they suggest that it's a, it's a prayer that Jesus taught us to recite. This is the, this is the template. This is, the, this is, what I, this is the, the prayer that we're all going to join in. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's contrasting, here Jesus is contrasting prayer, I believe, with kingdom prayer. Prayer is where, where those that will, will gather in their, in their meetings just to be seen, just to tick the box. They pray the same prayer that they prayed every week. And to babble on with many words, thinking that they will be heard because of their many words or because of their high and lofty speech. And Jesus is contrasting this, this prayer with what kingdom prayer looks like. And I think it's really important. I think it's hugely significant that, that uh, Jesus starts this prayer that we join in with, with the words, Our Father. Because the constant challenge for me, and maybe it's the challenge for you, is that I find myself having to resist the urge to reduce prayer to something that is intense, intensely per personal. I resist the urge to make it about just simply me and me and Father. I have to resist the urge to, to make it about what I'm longing for, what I want. I think Jesus is, uses this language, our Father, because it moves, it moves me away. And maybe it moves some of us away from, the, from just seeking the things that I long for. Kingdom prayer is, is done in community. Kingdom prayer is done as community. It's done in family. It's as, it's as family where we come together and we, and we tend to the presence of Jesus and we lean into what it is that, that he is saying. We lean into what it is that he is doing before we come with all of our petitions, before we come with all of our concerns. I think there's, there's something beautiful whenever we, we do that. But I think the challenge that, that Jesus and I think later on Paul will, will lay out is that ultimately it's, ultimately it's this first. It's the vertical first. And then it's the horizontal. Get our Father. You're in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And we, 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 we get to that place, this horizontal, and then we begin to work out the vertical. We begin to work out, forgive us. Give us our daily bread. Give us what we need. Give us where we're lacking. F forgive us as we are going about forgiving others. Like let there be restoration of relationships. And but ultimately, it has to be ultimately it has to be here first. This horizontal relationship, and 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 he's inviting us in on this this kingdom idea of prayer, where it's it's done as a family. It's done in community as a community. And if I can just refer to Paul, Philippians chapter 4, 
Philippians chapter 4, um, possibly a well-known verse to many of you in the room where Paul is, is saying, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And as I was reading through that verse this week, I found myself struck by, by the language that Paul uses, prayer and petition. I think there's part of me thought it was, you'd almost think that's the same thing. But our petitions are those, those particular, that, that one particular need, that one specific situation. And I think the order, I, I'm, I'm convinced that the order is really important, that, that we don't be anxious about everything, but in everything, by prayer, first by prayer, first by this coming before our Father, waiting upon him, waiting upon what it is that he is saying, waiting upon engaging and cooperating where he is already at work and joining him, participating in on that, on that prayer that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. And then from that place, we begin to offer we begin to offer our petitions. We begin to offer our, our specific needs, our particular needs. And, and that's why I've really appreciated Friday nights. So on Friday nights at, at the living room, we've just, we've just laid aside a, a bit of time, Friday nights in the village at 9.30. And why I've loved it is because it's, I've been able to let go of any agenda. I've been able to to lay down the the stereotypical way that prayer meetings usually go. And don't get me wrong, like I love when we gather to pray and, and we 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 share needs among us and then we pray for those needs. Like I those those times are really important and we're gonna do it tomorrow morning. It, it takes place up at the castle every every Friday and and it's it's real. It's really good. It's really important. But why I've loved Friday nights is that it's it's just letting go of an agenda. It's letting go of that starting with me, and we'll go around a circle, and everybody pray their petitions and pray their needs, and we'll go home. For me, it's become so much more than that. It's letting go of an agenda. It's 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 before I bring my petitions, I want to truly pray. I want to truly enter into kingdom prayer. And often that means just remaining silent. Often it remains, for me, the last three Friday nights, it has just meant remaining silent. That's what kingdom prayer has looked like for me. There's so much to pray for. There's needs in this room that, that need prayed for. There's sicknesses and, and situations that need prayed for. But before it all, I want to know what it is to truly pray. I want to know what it is that, that caused the disciples to come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they knew all the prayers. They knew all the things to pray about when it came to, if they did, get in a circle and pray their prayers. They knew how to do that. I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that they didn't know how to, to actually pray or to pray out loud. But it's just that they wanted to know, how do we truly engage with the Father? How do we truly enter in to, the, to this kingdom prayer in the way that you do, Jesus? And for me, I'm, I'm finding it's, it's, it's those moments of solitude. And those moments, sometimes during the week, are like gold dust. But Friday nights at half nine, 
to let go of an agenda and to lay down my own personal stuff and just and just wait upon him. Father, you're in heaven. You're holy and awesome and in control. And I get to, I get to spend these moments just, just engaging with you. And just worshiping and hallowed be your name. And in the silence, just just finding that like just like longing that my soul would just overflow in praise and adoration. And there's been moments where that's happened by just by just saying nothing. And for me it has been one of those moments where one of those times where where it's opening up space for God to work. This, this type of kingdom prayer that I'm referring to, it, it feels like I'm just opening up space. I'm just creating a, a space that God can work in me, that God can, that his kingdom can, that then can break, can break in. Because I've, as I've considered what it is to pray, as I've considered my, my prayer life, oftentimes it, it, it's little cooperation with him. Often it's, God, would you bring hope to this person? Would you bring healing here? Would you, would you reduce loneliness here? And those are good prayers. Those are, those, are, those are really important prayers to pray. But often I pray them and I'm, I'm entering into little cooperation with God. I think as when we come to pray, this, the kingdom prayer, there's almost an automatic assumption that it, that it means we're willing to cooperate, that we're willing to participate in the prayer that we're praying. And so I think, I believe that when we truly pray your kingdom come, we are essentially pledging to cooperate with him. We are essentially pledging to cooperate with God. There's a missionary, there's a missionary, let me read a quote from a missionary called Vincent Donovan. And this is what he said. When we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We not only open our lives to God's inbreaking presence, creating anew, we are saying we ourselves are willing to be involved as the participant in his presence, indeed as part of the something new that God is bringing into the world. When we pray that kingdom prayer, we are opening our lives to God's inbreaking presence, creating anew. We are saying that we are willing to be involved as the participant in his presence, as part of the something new that God is bringing into the world. And as I was reading, as I was reading through my devotional time this week, came across once again those, that verse in 2 Peter chapter 1, where he says, I used to be really good at memory verses, and I'm not, now I'm not so good. Second Peter, he says that, that divine power has given us everything that we need for life through our knowledge, through our knowledge, our knowledge of him who has called us. And through these promises, he has given us, or through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. 
Peter was on to something. His divine power is, has given us everything that we need. His promises give us the, the hope that we need to keep going. And the assurance that he has invited us to participate in the divine nature. And for me, I think all of our other concerns, all of our other petitions flow from this place. Flow, flow from this place of coming before him as our father. Acknowledging where he is. Acknowledging where he is. Acknowledging who he has called us to be. And invite us to pray this prayer that essentially means that we're willing to participate. By us praying that prayer, we're going to cooperate with him to see his kingdom come and his will be done. I'm going to share two Two quick stories. Some of you will remember uh, Mark Knox was with us a number of months back. Shared about, uh, shared a wee bit about Aspire, the charity that he set up that Andrew McGuire is a part of and has shared about um, a couple of Sundays ago. But Mark's also uh, been part of a church plant, a missional community plant. I don't know what language they put around it. But a missional community right in the heart of Craigavon. And so him and a group of friends, they just, they just began to hear some of the stories and some of the statistics in, in the schools and in some of the estates in Craigavon. And they were moved by that. They were so moved by, by what was going on in some of, the, some of the, the more poverty-stricken areas of, of Craigavon. And so rather than just be moved, rather than, please hear, please hear me that I'm not dismissing prayer meetings. Please, please, please. That we're not, I'm not dismissing prayer meetings where we gather in a circle and, and we pray for one another for whatever it is, whatever needs, whatever specific situations that we go through. They're really, they're really important. But they decided that, that, that they'd been so moved, they'd been so caught by God's heart for this community that they could no longer just stay in their homes praying a prayer. And so they moved out onto the streets. And they began to go to these estates and just begin to pray. Begin to pray that the king that his kingdom would come. Begin to pray that that his rule and his reign would be established in these parts of Craigavon. That his peace would be established, that his joy and his rest and his hope and purpose would come to these areas. And as they began to as they began to to begin to pray. Even before they engaged with anybody in the community, they just began to walk. They began that what I believe, what I truly believe was they were engaging in, in, in kingdom prayer. Just waiting upon the Lord to see where, where he was already at work. Where, his, where he was already stirring the hearts of people and so they began to pray. And then eventually, if you've heard Mark's story before, eventually then Mark moved right into the heart of the neighborhood. He moved right into the heart of Craig Allen. And once he moved in, he began to establish relationships with, with people who just had never been to church. He'd never fully heard the message of the gospel. And, and, uh, and, so, and so they opened, they moved into a building that the drop-in owned and uh, established a work there and called it Cara the Irish word for friend or friendship. 
And I and I love that story because I feel like it's one of those it's one of those stories that that show me what kingdom prayer looks like. And during the week, I read a I read a story of of a group of eight ordinary people. That's how they were presented, and that's the series that we've that's the series that we're on over these months and eight ordinary people who had, I think we're asking the same question that we're asking. How do we rearrange our ordinary everyday lives to put the words and the ways of Jesus into practice for the sake of the world? And they were asking it on behalf of Detroit Boulevard in Sacramento. And Detroit Boulevard was, one, was notorious for being one of the most crime, uh, one of the most crime-ridden neighborhoods in all of Sacramento. And hearing those statistics, these eight ordinary people, from, and what I loved about the story was from two different churches. Two different churches, two different denominations, but God, God had broken their hearts. He had captured their attention when it came to the, the community that they lived in, that they were placed in. And so they began to pray, and they began to go out onto the, into the streets, began to walk through the neighborhoods of this, of this dangerous part of Sacramento began to walk the streets, began to engage in, in kingdom prayer. It was, it was just, it was ridden with all sorts of violence. Prostitution was rife. Uh, drug arrests were a regular occurrence. And they thought that this can't happen, this can't happen in our watch. The spirit of Jesus lives in us. And so all they began to do was simply walk the streets, walk the neighborhoods of Sacramento, entering into this kingdom prayer, praying peace over each home, praying that the presence of Jesus would rest on every street and every home that they, that they went past. And they told a story of one day whenever they were walking the streets, they were, they were doing very little, but it caught the attention of, of one lady who wasn't too amused. She was out wondering, why is there eight people? Why is there eight random people walking around my neighborhood? And so she went out and confronted them, asking what they were doing. And when, the, when she found out that they were praying, she asked, would they pray that she would experience healing? But she'd been sick for years. And so these people prayed, and, and she was healed immediately. She was healed instantly. And it, and it seemed, it was almost like this woman became the person of peace in this, this rough neighborhood of Sacramento. And eventually, they physically moved in. These eight people, eight people from two different churches, but moved in to Sacramento, and it's it's reported. It's uh, you can go and find these. Uh, I can't remember the name of the newspaper, but if you were to go to the, I could find it. I could think. I, I'll remember it soon. I think. But anyway, this newspaper, this these newspapers began to report. On, the, on this part of Sacramento, they began to report of how there had been no homicides, there had been no robberies, and there had been no sex crimes since these people physically moved in, praying his kingdom come and his will be done. And there was one, there was one report of some minor altercation, and that is all that had been reported. And, and there's an interview with the policeman. There's an interview with the head of chief of the police and there was, at the weekends, this part of Sacramento was known as the carnival among the police officers because it was just mayhem. It was just arrest after arrest after arrest. Drug arrest, arrest for sex crimes, arrest for, for everything that you could imagine. It was known as the carnival. 
And this police officer in his interviews with the local newspapers was saying it's now boring. Our weekends are now boring because nothing happens. There is no crime. There is no robberies. There is no reports of any sex crimes. And so kingdom prayer made space for the kingdom to break in. And I'm convinced the guys over in, in Craigavon and Cara, the kingdom prayer has made space for the kingdom to break in in Craigavon. Kingdom prayer made space for the kingdom to break in in Detroit Boulevard in Sacramento. And so what I'm, what I'm um, in this, like this Advent season, this season of just waiting, God, I'm patiently waiting and I'm, begin, I'm patiently waiting and I'm longing for imag- my imagination to be stirred, to be awoken so that I can see what it would be like when your kingdom breaks in now. And I'm patiently waiting. I'm going to patiently wait and begin to imagine what it will be like when the heavens and earth are made new and you come, you come back again. And in the meantime, I, I, I'm believing that this prayer's primary task is to align us with God and his purposes to align us with God and his purposes and his heart. And it brings us into relationship, into a relationship with him in which we become participants in his work to change the world. It feels like so many of the stories that, that I'm reading are just coming across are truly the most ordinary people that have just been captured by, by his heart and have aligned their hearts with his, his heart and his purposes. And began to pray bold prayers, began to wait upon him as they hear from him. And they're entering, they, they, they inevitably find themselves entering in or bringing them into relationship in which we truly become participants in his, in his work to change the world. And it truly is with the most ordinary people who have just been with him. And that's the verse that started off, that's the verse that started off this ordinary people series. There was something about the way that that the disciples lived, that people looked on and said, they haven't been educated, they haven't been trained, they're so ordinary, but they've been with Jesus. That's the type of, of prayer that I'm wanting to engage in is that I would just be with Jesus. And from that place of being with him, I begin to, to offer him all the requests, all the petitions, all the, all the needs. But as I pray that kingdom prayer, I'm, I'm beginning to see that that is me essentially pledging to cooperate with him. That I'm saying I'm willing to participate with you, whatever it takes, God. Whatever worshiping fully, whatever that's going to take. It's going to mean spending less to give more. If it's going to mean giving more so that I can love all, I want to do that because of because I've pledged myself to participate with you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for I thank you for your word and I thank you for your heart. I thank you for who how you reveal it to us throughout scripture and through how you reveal it throughout stories that are continually being told you're one of patience you're one of love you're one of mercy and kindness and compassion 
I'll show you how boss once again to get a glimpse of your heart and your will and your purposes. And to engage with you fully, to participate with you and And seeing hope come. Seeing peace. And joy come to places where it's never been. And Father, just thank you for what it is to be surrounded by people who have, who have said yes to you. God, for those that maybe even today there's even a sense of reluctance because of situation, because of circumstance. God, I pray that there would be there would be a moment where they not just know these words that we've read to be true, but they would experience them as real. So in this Advent season, I pray that we would experience the hope that, that comes from knowing of your return. God, we just not know it to be true, but we would experience it as real. For your honor and for your glory and for the sake of this world, which you so love. In Jesus' name, amen.